Let me ask, let me do that one more time. Good morning, church. How are you doing today? It's good. Listen, can we do some church business? Where's Brian Williams at? Did he, did he skip? Hey, baby, stand up. Yes. Graduation. He's got a master's degree now. I had to write all of his papers, but other than that, I'm glad he's done. And so, uh, no, listen, he is three years. Four? That's okay, man. That's good. So uh, what a great job. Man, blessed, blessed, blessed. If you were, have been blessed over the past month with Brian speaking, would you also? Yeah, you can give him a round of applause too because he's worked hard. And um, <clears throat> it's a, it is a privilege to do ministry uh, alongside Brian and Brooke, and we have be- definitely been blessed. Um, listen, if, if your calendar is anything like mine, uh, have you taken a look at it the past few weeks? And I started looking through it the other day, and I thought, good gracious of life. I mean, there's the things you got to do, the things you get to do, and then the things you better do, okay? Does that make sense? There's things that you better, you just better do because you know you just got to do them. And, uh, I mean, there are things that are work schedules, family schedules. There's the personal things that are going on. You know, I was looking doctor's appointments and haircuts, and, you know, it's really funny. The doctor's appointments, the older you get, seem to be more and more, and the haircuts get fewer and fewer. I would say something about women, but I'm not going to do that because it seems to get more and more with them these days. I don't understand that. But I mean, it's, I mean, if you start looking at your calendar, it can, you can get overwhelmed and, and all of a sudden you become starting getting these, these heavy breathing cycles because you get anxious. You start looking at all the things you got to get done over the next several weeks. But when we look at our calendars, it's not just the personal things, the family things, the work things, but there's also things inside of the calendar that you know, we just have to celebrate because we're Americans, right? I mean, Independence Day, President's Day, there are some other things that are on the calendar. Labor Day, you know, you like to be able to celebrate those. But you ever thought about the Christian calendar and why there are certain things that have been lined out throughout the year that we celebrate inside of, inside of Christianity, that as believers that we would be reminded of not just all the media junk that goes on out there, but we would constantly be reminded of God's story and his story through his son, Jesus Christ, beginning specifically at this time of the year with Advent, which means coming. And it's that, that time of year that we celebrate the anticipation, the expectation of the birth of the Messiah. What a blessing it is. Not only the fact that he is coming, but the fact that he has come as believers today in the 21st century, but also that he's coming again. Amen? And to be reminded of that. For believers, Christmas is more than just a religious ritual, but it's a rhythm of life. It's a rhythm of life that, that we turn our attention away from everything else that's going on inside of the world, the media, and, and, and we focus in on Jesus. With that being said, I want you to turn with me today to the book of Matthew. Just a few minutes, we're going to go back and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that's going to be a focal passage for us over the next several weeks as we walk through this Advent season. Um, But while you guys are turning to the book of Matthew, let me just say this. They they say, and I think I've come to learn and understand this over the past, I don't know, 30 30 plus years in ministry, uh, getting to be almost 40 years in ministry, I've come to learn that there are two times of the year that people are more acceptable 
uh, accepting of an invite to, to church, to join you at church or to watch now in, t- in today's venue, in today's time, to be able to watch something of a church service. And that time is, is this time of the year in Easter. So I say that to you to say this. In the light of COVID and everything else that's going on, if you've ever, if you've had somebody that you've been reaching out to, you've been praying for, a neighbor that, that you have just been trying to get to know and you know that they don't attend church or they're not believers, man, what a great time for you to, to just say, listen, you want to go to church with me or how about just watching church online with me? I'd love to, to introduce you to, to my friend Jesus. And uh, they tell us that, that they will. Matter of fact, the majority of people that you invite, they are looking for somebody they want to. Matter of fact, I've had people say before, I was just waiting on somebody to invite me because I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. So I want to encourage you that with those words today. Um, in, 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 in respect for Brian's new, new degree, in light of higher education, I want to give you a big word. Can I do that? You guys ready for that? I want you to write down the word incarnation. I didn't say carnation milk. Incarnation. Incarnation, and I want to give you what would be a, a, a definition that you would find inside of a Bible dictionary. Matter of fact, I copied it out of a Bible dictionary. Theological word, and this is what it means an act of grace whereby Christ took our human nature into union with his divine person and became a man. Now, let me just simplify it for you in my terms. It is when God became flesh in the form of man. We find in John 1 1 where it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus is what we're talking about, which brings us back to our focal passage over this series, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And this is what we find written there. Look, no, let's, let's do that a little bit. Let's do that. Let's sort of do that in, in like it would have been written and it would have been uh, sort of, it's sort of exciting. Okay. It would, it would have been more like this. Look, oh, I got your attention there, didn't I? Because that would have been what it would have been. Look, look, the virgin will conceive a child and and she'll give birth to a son. You've got to remember there had been all these years that they had been waiting for the Messiah to be born. And so now here's the proclamation. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen, no more God from a distance but God up front and personal. And in the Advent season, in the midst of the anticipation and the expectation of the Messiah, it is so easy, it is so easy to forget that he's here. That he's here among us. You know, I, I, I go back and I, and I think about my life and I, and I, I think about God's presence, and, and I don't know about you, maybe you're better off than I am, maybe you're a little bit better at this, but, but it seems like it's a little bit easier, Christina, to experience God's presence when things are smooth. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? The spouse is happy, the kids are happy, the bills are being paid, relationships are going as they should be going. I mean, and, and, and you know what I'm saying? I mean, it seems like, you know, everything, I, and as a matter of fact, you've probably already said, I, I, Man, I just sense God's presence. You ever done that before? What about the opposite? Does that mean that when there's difficulty and the waves are moving, does that mean that God's not there? I mean, how many times do we, in the midst of a difficult time, do we almost feel like God's not, not just there, but he's abandoned us? 
And all of a sudden, matter of fact, we start questioning God. I mean, it's easy to experience God when, man, things are well, but all of a sudden when relationships are broken and the bills are unpaid and, you know, that job that you thought that you were going to get, you didn't get, and you're walking through a time and a season when it's not on the mountaintop, but it's down in the valley that you seem to find yourself. You can't see a, a light at the end of the, the tunnel. That moment in time when you, when God seems distant at best. Are you with me? How many of you felt like that at some point in time in your life? Anybody? Yeah. For those of you that aren't raising your hands, either you're just not aware, you're just not telling the truth. Because this is what I know at times. There are going to be times in life when you will walk through these times that you feel like that you're in the, in the midst of a, of a valley. And if you take the Scriptures... And if you look at what the scriptures have to say in reference to valleys, the valley in the scripture represents several things. The valley is a place of battle. I mean, we see stories like David and Goliath when, when he defeated Goliath there. We saw that that happened in the valley. We see the stories in the scriptures about idolatry and false worship where the children of Israel there in the valley have been hidden. They, they built uh, pagan shrines and rebuilt the altars there. And what they did is they sacrificed in their sons and daughters. There's, I mean, come on, Really? Yeah, and it happened in the valley. But also we find that in the valley it was, it was known as a place of loneliness and desperation, but also it was a place of, of growth. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the valley type of guy. I don't like the valley. I mean, I like the mountains. Are you with me? I mean, I, mean, I like to at least be up on the hill so I can see, see things. But when I look back in my life, it's not on the mountains that I've seen to have experienced God and I've grown the most, but it's been those times that I've found myself in the valleys. It's been those times when I found myself at the place that I didn't have control that, that I have sensed and I've come to know the Lord more, more intimately. So with that being said, and, and based on a, a lot of conversations that I've had and something that I just have been feel like I've been sensing for quite some time. I want, to share, I want to share with you something today over the next several weeks, and we're going to begin today in, in Psalms chapter 84. And I want you to hold on to Matthew chapter 1 because that's sort of going to be a focal passage as I want to remind you of that consistently over and over. But I want to take you to the Old Testament, to Psalms chapter 84 today. And I'd like to be able to share with you just a couple of passages of scriptures there in the psalm, which the psalmist wrote, which I think are going to really... I think it's really going to help us today as we walk through. And this is what I know. I, man, I know this, and I shared this with the early service. I shared with them, listen, I know this is, that God is going to speak into some of your lives today, and I know that because that was on my mind last night before I went to bed. And that was on my mind this morning when I woke up. So I know that there are some of you here that need to hear what's going to be said and what the Holy Spirit's going to say, not what Sidney had to say. There's some people that are listening online that are, that, are, that, are, that are not here because they've sort of isolated themselves. I was in a conversation with somebody the other day. They said they had walked through so many things in life. They were at the place that they had gotten that they went in their house. This is a business person. They would go in their house when they got done at work and they would shut the windows, shut the blinds, shut the doors because they were so depressed. There are a lot of people that feel like that today, especially over these past nine months or so. So I just want to pray with you, and then I want to read some things to you, and I want to walk through a passage of Scripture that I bet you is going to be very significant in some of your lives. And when we're done here today, you're going to understand 
why we're doing this series, God, with us. So let me pray with you. Father, I, this is what I pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, I already know that without a shadow of a doubt that this word is meant for people that are here, my, even myself. I have been encouraged in the midst of this. I've been reminded that, God, that you are here. You're here at this very moment. And, Father, I'm praying for those that are listening online as well as those that are here inside of this building today that, Lord, you would encourage us with your word. We need that. May the word speak for itself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so in Psalms chapter 84, 84 verses 5 through 7, man, I just want to read these passages to you. I want to come back and talk to you a little bit about them. So would you read there with me in Psalms chapter 84? They'll be up on the screen for those of you that may not have a copy. But let me say this. Don't get so used to your phones. Man, I love the phone. I love the technology. But I love the copy of the written word. Have that so that you can keep notes and write stories about what God is doing. But this is what we find in the scripture there in verse 5 beginning there. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings, and they will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. And so here in this psalm, we, we find reference to this valley. Some call it the valley of weeping. Others call it the valley of tears. Others even the valley of Baca. The word Baca in Hebrew means uh, refers to a weeping tree. It's a tree that weeps. It, it drips sap. For those of you that are up, for, up north, you're probably thinking about a maple tree. For those of us that were raised in the south, here it would be called what we call turpentine. And if you know anything about longleaf pine, you know that, uh, man, listen, they would score those trees. And, and that was, if you go back and do some history, that's how the Okefenokee Swamp caught on fire years and years ago and burned hundreds of thousands of acres they were turpentine in this, this sort of this season and it got cold and the mule backed up a little bit too close to the fire and his tail caught on fire and he ran through the woods, set the woods on fire. I'm glad I wasn't that mule. That's all I got to say. But here it is. The Valley of Weeping is said to be a literal place on the outside of Jerusalem where these types of trees, these weeping trees, balsam trees were, were found. And as people would make their way towards Jerusalem, they would have to pass through, walk through this valley. And even though the valley may have been a literal place, here it looks as if that the psalmist is referring to this valley of weeping symbolically to illustrate to us a path or time of difficulty or path of, of suffering. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we communicate an awful lot just about different things, and I, I trust him. He's a, a person that I have in my life that I, I oftentimes talk to. And... Um, he said, Sid, I've just been so overwhelmed these past, past months with the issues that people are facing. And, you know, sometimes we think a, a difficult time is the air conditioner not working. Or, you know, I, I wake up and i got a flat tire on the car, or, you know, or, man, the, the milk's bad in the refrigerator or whatever it may be. And, you know, it's, it's, it's life-altering as those things may be. Let me tell you what, there's a lot more things that are out there that are, that are life-concerning and serious. Stuff that people are dealing with that just are totally over, overwhelming. And what I've learned is in those times when I'm walking through the valley, those times of darkness and whatever it may be for you, it can be really, really hard to see beyond the valley when you're in the valley. 
I mean, you're doing everything you can just to try to survive the day and overcome the obstacles just to make it into tomorrow. And look at what the psalmist writes here. He said, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, that in those times when you're at the place, when you feel like you're at the end of the rope, you're overwhelmed, you're feeling defeated, let me just say this, all you have is all you have. Are you with me? I mean, you've got what you've got, but that's all you've got. I mean, if you find yourself there, all you have is all you have. However, however, but for those who trust in the Lord, we have access to strength that goes beyond that which we can muster up. And there's joy and there's hope because we have access to a heavenly strength. We're getting ready for the fall festival and Sherry says, I heard her mention something about needing some tables. And I said, Sherry, look, I said, I'll, I'll help you with that. I'll take care of that. She goes, oh, Sid, no. She said, there's other people that want to do it. I said, listen, I, I'll make the time. I said, I'll get the trailer. And she said, but, I mean, how you going? I said, look, I'm not doing this by myself. I'm going to get big old Brian Broom. I mean, stand up, Brian. Show them your muscles right quick. Show them big old muscles. I said, man, I'm not doing that by myself. I'm, I, I mean, I, wasn't, I was raised yesterday, but not yesterday. You know what I'm saying? So I said, man, I'm going to get Brian Broom. So we, so we go, we get our, you know, we, I meet Sherry over here on that Friday to get tables and stuff, and we load up what she wants. And I, and I said, Sherry, I said, don't you think we need some of those round tables? And, and she says, no. I said, Brian, I said, let's, let's get the round tables. And, um, and I said, let's, and, and he said, well, are we going to unload every one of these? And put, I said, no. And I said, man, we're taking the whole rack at one time. And I said, yeah. I said, man, that's why I brought you. You got the muscles. can't do that on your own but yet how many times do we try to do things and we move things or or, or we we try to handle things on our own and all we got is all we've got and yet God's saying I'm here I'm here you know Brian said one time man I got this I got this yet how many times are we like the little kid that says I can do it I can do it I don't need any help you know, as adults, you've had that. I mean, you've had that experience. I can do it, Mommy. I can do it. You know, I'm like thinking, no, you can't. And how many times does God look down and he see, I can do it. I'm, I can, he sees us. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. How many times do we find ourselves meandering through the valley? And it says here, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. It doesn't say what joy or blessed are those who figure out or think they can make it. But yet, how many times do we try to function as if we've got it? I can handle it. You know, crying out to God and asking for help is not a sign of weakness. No, but it's a sign of humility and trust and dependency. You know, that day, I wasn't worried about moving those tables. Man, I knew I had Atlas on my side. We were good. It was going to be all right. I wasn't going to load it by myself, didn't, de- didn't decide. I mean, I thought about it a couple of times, but I didn't have to do that because I knew I had help. And look at what he goes on to say in verse 5. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who set their, what, their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 16, 16 for a second. I'll, I want you to see something. I want to let you know a little bit about what's happening here so you get a little bit of an understanding 
because several times a year the, the Jews would have to travel to the male Jews would travel and look at what he look at what it, it says here in Deuteronomy 16 16 it says each year every man in Israel must celebrate these three festivals there were three festivals that he outlined here one was the feast of the unleavened bread the second one was the feast of the har- festival of the harvest and the third was the festival of shelters and he goes on to say on each of these occasions all men must appear before the Lord your God at the place that he chooses, but they must not appear before the Lord without a, without a gift for him. So there were several, there were multiple festivals, more than just these three that, that were used to, to help the Israelites remember God's faithfulness, to remember God's power and the things that he had done inside of their lives and inside of the lives of the people of Israel. And, but here we find three Three specific festivals that were outlined that they were supposed to, all males above a certain age were supposed to go back to Jerusalem. And let me just tell you really quickly, I don't want to get on this, and I don't want to hang up on it too long, but three of those festivals, one, the feast, the festival of the unleavened bread, um, which followed Passover and lasted for a week. And it was during that time that they would bring an offering from the barley harvest. That would be, that would be in that, that time of the year that the, the barley would be harvested and they were to bring an offering. And it was to help them remember the God who had delivered them out of Egypt and from the hands of Pharaoh. A little bit later, as a matter of fact, seven weeks after Passover, there was this, this next festival called the Festival of, um, um, of Harvest. And it's called, or the Festival of Weeks, because it took place seven weeks or 49 days after Passover. And we know it now as Pentecost in the New Testament because that was the time that Jesus, if you remember, they were going back to Jerusalem, and it would be there while praying praying. Jesus sent them to Jerusalem to pray, but it was there that the Holy Spirit came, and all of a sudden, they became witnesses. And so it was at that time that they were to bring together an offering from the wheat harvest. And then the third happened in the fall, and they were to bring an offering of olive and and the grape harvest. And it was a celebration of reminding them of God's faithfulness and provision as they wandered around there in the wilderness for 40 years. And here, here we got the psalmist that says, What joy for those whose strength come from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage towards Jerusalem. I want you to underline, have set their minds, because that's really important here. Uh, can we just say this, that what we think about matters? You know, where we set our eyes, what we're focused on, where we, where we focus our attention, impacts the journey as well as determines the destination. What we think about, what we speak, where we keep our eyes focuses not only impacts the journey that we're on, but it also determines the destination. And I don't know what you've set your minds on, but he says here that there's joy for those who've set their minds on the journey towards Jerusalem. Now, the reason that they were going towards Jerusalem wasn't so they could enjoy the all-inclusive resort. I mean, they weren't just going there so they could stay in the bed and breakfast and have a little bit of a vacation. I mean, they were going to Jerusalem because they were going out of obedience. They were going there to, to worship the Lord. But to get to Jerusalem, listen to what it's saying. They had to walk through this valley, this valley, the valley of weeping. And all of a sudden, in the next verse there, it says, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing Spring, the autumn rain will clothe it with blessings. And there's some of you that really need to hear this today. 
You need to hear this because at this present time, you may feel as if you're walking through that valley or that, that dark place. And, and let, let me say this, and don't make any mistake. Man, the valley can be a place of pain and suffering. It can be mental, physical, emotional, relational, financial, so many different sufferings that can happen as a result of when we're walking through that, that valley. All kinds of different sufferings. But the valley doesn't have to be our place of our focus of attention. It doesn't have to be a place that we just find ourselves and take up residence. That even though that pain may be intense and even though the suffering may be overwhelming, we can keep our minds focused on where we're headed. And who is with me? Because God is for me. He is with me. And I don't want you to miss this. Man, don't miss this. Don't miss it. Just as God went before the children of Israel and he rescued them from, the, from Egypt and the hands of Pharaoh, God is, goes before us today in the Holy Spirit. And he prepares the way and he gives us strength in those times of weakness. And I want you to make note of this also. Look at what he says there um, when he's talking about walking through the valley. He didn't say, if you walk through the valley. What does he say? When. When, when you walk through it. In other words, it's not an if, but it's when we face those times of challenges. And there's some of you that are, I mean, you're just, you, man, I've just never had that time. Well, it's coming. It's going to come. Some of you maybe remember prior to that, and you thought, oh, it's not that bad. It's, it's, I've never had anything like that happen in my life. Oh, it's coming. Just give it a little chance. Where's your eyes going to be set when you're walking through that valley? It was David who said in the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through that darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? <laughs> because God is with me. God is with me. I don't know of anyone that likes to walk through difficult times, whether it's uncertain or challenging times. But how many times is the road to peace not around the valley but through it? Because it's in the valley that we get to know the Prince of Peace. What I've come to learn over the years, and man, you need to write this down someplace. This is going to speak. It's in that place of lowness, in that valley when I have walked it figuratively speaking, that I've, I've I had that tendency when I'm in that place to create a little bit more space for God. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? See, when I'm up on the mountain, you, you don't, God doesn't seem to be as, Easy is urgent. Are you with me? But all of a sudden, get us down in the valley. And let me tell you what, it seems like I have a tendency to want to create just a little bit more space because I become a little bit thirstier. You know what it's like to be thirsty and hungry for God's presence? Wow. It's when I'm walking through the valley. I, 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 I have the ability to, to, to be hungry and and, 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 and want to experience the presence of the Lord. But it's not in that time that I see it when I'm in the valley, but it's not only later till I'm looking back and I can see the growth that took place early on when, in the early days of heritage when we, um, I found myself multiple times for various reasons just really struggling. And, and I come to learn afterwards, you know, God allows us to walk through those times because he's refining us. I had a lot of stuff that had to be refined, and I still got a lot of stuff. 
But the stuff that I was walking through wasn't punishment. It was just God trying to teach me a little bit more about himself and about intimacy with him. And, and I remember Dorothy Huffman. Um, Dorothy was a pastor's wife over 50 years. Her and George pastored, um, I don't know, for close to 60 years before he passed away. And she just passed away this past year. And, but Brian Brooke and Meredith may remember the time she, she brought me these lists of verses. And I was like, you know, why are you bringing me all these verses? And they were written on sheets of paper. And she said, she said, Sid, I, I know this because I know the journey that we've been on and I know the journey that we've walked. And I want you to know that you're going to walk through trials and you're going to walk through difficult times. And I, and I want you to, to stay close to God's word. I want you to know not to be afraid. Don't be, don't be fearful. But in those moments when those tensions come and, and, and you feel like you're just being pressed in and you're walking through the valley, I want you to go back to these verses. And she handed me a stack of paper. It was probably that thick. And she took them and she threw them out on the floor. She took them and she threw them out on the floor. And she started stomping on them. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she said, because I want you to learn to stand on God's word, not just sit on it. I want you to stand on God's word because it needs to be the foundation of your life, not the experiences that you're walking in. My family had the opportunity to go through the famous Death Valley this past summer. And I've shown you some pictures of We'll show you a few pictures here just to, you know, and, and they, somebody said, what'd you see? Nothing. <laughs> Susan was saying earlier about the, she says, why is the car? Where's the car? At? I said, it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, that's all it is. It's just nothing. Death Valley, it's hot. I was, uh, I was doing some research. I found, I found out this year on August, I guess it was like the 30th or something. It was like the hottest, it, it became the hottest place on the planet at 130 degrees. It was 113 at 10 o'clock in the morning. We were there. I got the little sign that says it. 113 degrees. Take your breath away. No, no humidity at all. But here is this valley. And, and, and in the midst of this, this valley, it's a, it's a low place, one of the lowest places in North America. And it's surrounded by all these mountains. And I was in a conversation just several weeks ago with a guy. And he starts telling me the story of a dream that he had had. And he said he was talking about how over, overwhelmed and depressed he had become. And he said, I got down to the place that he said, I didn't want to see anybody, didn't want to do anything. He said, I felt like I was in a valley that was surrounded by mountains and I couldn't get out. And I said, oh, brother, let me take you and read you passage of Scripture. But see that not every valley is, is, is arid. Not every valley is, is dry. I mean, while we were out west, we also went to Yosemite Valley. And, and, and you're talking about a beautiful place. And then last year, Meredith and I had the privilege of going on one of those lifetime trips out to Kalalau Valley in, in uh, Kauai. Lush, beautiful. While we're driving through Death Valley, though, my son, who is very intelligent, says, Dad, um, he, said, um, he said, Dad, let, let, me, let me walk to those salt flats. I said, son, that's, that's a lot further than you think it is. He said, no, Dad. He said, it's just right. right. I said, son, it's a lot further. Didn't, didn't think it is. And, and so we're having this discussion back and forth. I said, fine. So I pull over in the middle of nowhere, okay? He wasn't going to get mugged because there's nobody else there. So he starts walking. 
and he gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And about 15, 20 minutes later, he, walk, he, he makes it back. He's not sweating, I mean, because there's no sweat because there's just no humidity. But his tongue was all hanging out. He was dry. Anna said to him, that wasn't too smart, was it? And so, uh, but the valley doesn't always have to be a place of barrenness and struggle, but it can also be a place of refreshing and filling. It's like God says to me, show me your Show me your faith, and I'm going to show you my faithfulness. In Matthew chapter 12, we find the story of the man with the withered hand and deformed hand. Instead of Jesus just healing him, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and I'll heal it. In other words, if, if you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. Then last week, for those of you that are involved in the gospel project, in, in John chapter 5, there was a story of the man who had been crippled for 38 years, and he, he kept trying to get to the pool. And Jesus says the same thing to the guy. He just didn't say to him, you know, you're healed. But he said, pick up your mat and get up. In other words, show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. And somebody needs to hear this today. I'm going to tell you, explain to you why. Because instead of complaining about where you are, how many of us just need to humble ourselves and make room for God so that he can reveal himself? Instead of complaining about all the things that God hasn't done, instead of focusing on where you are, how about focusing on where you're headed and not only what God has done, but what God is doing in the midst of this. How many of us are desiring a personal encounter with the Lord, but we miss out on those opportunities because we've just become complacent and settled where we are. We've taken our eyes off of Jerusalem. Hello, America. I mean, just think about the past nine months. And it's easy for us to get caught up and find ourselves not only distracted, but on a detour in the valley. Let me say, there is no place that I wanted to detour and find myself in when I was in Death Valley. Because it all led to nowhere. I knew where I was headed. I was, having to, I was headed to Mammoth Springs. Just get me there quick, fast. This nine months or so we've been talking about COVID and we're talking about those that have died and those that have been sick. But what about those that are not sick? What about those that have just gotten stuck? Hello? Man, look, this ain't about a mask or not a mask. I've heard people that didn't want to debate it. I don't care if you wear a mask. I wear a mask sometimes. Sometimes I don't wear a mask. Don't let somebody else determine what you do or don't do. If you feel like you need to wear one, wear one. If you don't feel like you don't need to wear one, sometimes you need to wear one just for other people, not for your own self. It's not about a mask. It's almost like I need to say to us, wear your eyes. Well, I'm not going to wear your wear a mask. Wear your eyes. I'm going to wear a mask. Wear your eyes. What are you focused on? Instead of, we've taken our eyes off of Jerusalem. At the same time, we've, this, this election junk. I mean, how many times, how many people have spent more time focused on who's in the White House instead of who's sitting on the throne? Uh-oh. We're watching CNN, Fox News, News Nation, or whatever it may be. Go back to the Word. Spend your time in the Word. It isn't when we walk through a time or a season in the valley, but what do we do when we do? We keep our eyes focused on the Lord. Because when we do, he'll not only help us navigate through this, let me say, let me say this, he will see us through the valley. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you, if you seek after me, you'll find me. 
If you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. Never did God say there's not going to be a valley. He didn't say that. But he did promise us that if we walk through it, that he would be with us. Look at verse 7 and what it says. They will continue to grow stronger. Who will grow stronger? Those walking through the valley. Those who keep their eyes focused and their minds set on where they're headed. And he goes on to say, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. They will reach their destination. You know, when I think about the New Testament and I think about the sort of the, the way it fits for us as believers. I mean, here we are. Here we are in this journey and every one of us have the opportunity to choose to follow Christ, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've been, we've been given the, we have been invited to come and to join him, to accept him, to believe and to trust. And, and when we do so, we, we join him and then we get on this journey of becoming more Christ-like through the power of the Holy Spirit. That as a disciple of Christ, I've not only accepted the invitation to follow him, but I, I, I'm on this journey of growing into Christ's likeness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not my own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm being changed into his likeness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Galatians says? Listen, man, nah, it's not me. Christ in me. It's Christ in me. But not only changed into the likeness of Christ, all of a sudden I become more aware of those around me and then I become committed to, to not only become more like Christ, but I could become committed to the mission of Christ. And this journey that we are on in Christ isn't toward a heavenly city. It's not like, okay, I'm getting ready to go to New York, but it's, it's a heavenly city, understanding that our, our Father, Jesus himself, is man in heaven preparing a place for us. That one day for those of us that are his, that he's going to call us home and we're going to be there with him to enjoy that time together. It prompted me to remind myself of what John Bunyan had wrote back in the late 1800s when he wrote the story about Pilgrim's Progress. And here in this psalm that we're talking about, it's just like the psalmist isn't, isn't just telling us something about the pilgrim's journey of the believer, but he's also setting the journey of the believer in contrast to the journey of others who choose a different path. Because you will either choose a, a path of hopelessness or a path of hope. There's only two paths, towards God or away from God. That every one of us are on the journey. But it's in the valley. It's in the valley there's some things we learn. We learn, we learn that God reveals his character in the valley. See, there are things that we learn in the valley that we would learn no other place. Man, I've learned some things about God's faithfulness in the darkest of times that I've never else would have learned. I can share some stories with people because you know what? Not because I've heard them, because I've experienced them. I mean, I can read to you what I read in the Bible, but I can tell you in my own personal life what God has done. Some of us struggle to talk because we haven't had some of those encounters. Well, why? Maybe, maybe you've not made some extra space to allow God to be God. But not only does he reveal his characters in the valley that we get a chance to know him better and intimately, it's in the valley that we make some important decisions. How many of us have made some important decisions in the valley? And sometimes are the wrong decisions because your eyes are focused in the wrong direction. You've quit a job when you're at a low place and you never should have done it. You file for divorce in a time when you were struggling and you never should have done it. You knew it. 
but you did it because it was right you, and, and you deserved it because they did you wrong. This happened several more times in your life since that time because other people are doing you wrong because you continue to make bad decisions in the valley because you're not turned towards the Lord, you're turned towards other things. It's in the valley that we choose to keep our eyes on Jesus or look elsewhere and get distracted and detoured. Would you go back with me just for a second to Matthew chapter 1? Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. <laughs> Look! Imagine the anticipation. Look! The virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. And some of you need to be reminded of that today. Because that's what's happened in my life over the past several months as I've been walking and praying about this. God's with us. God's with us. Would you pray with me today? You know, in the midst of this time, I, and just wanting to pray over you, there's I told you up front that I figured that this may hit close to home for some of you. Those of you listening online, those of you that are here today, and, and I think if some of you were to be honest, you might say, that's me, Sid. I, I've, I've, I'm not have been in the valley. I'm in the valley right now. I'm struggling. I mean, I, I'm in a place that, man, I, I'm, I'm in a season of dif difficulty and complacency, and I'm struggling. I'm wrestling. And as a result of that, you've become discouraged and maybe even isolated yourself away from people because you're trying to handle it on your own. But you would say today, man, Sid, that's me. Man, I have forgotten that God is with me. How many of you just would say, Sid, that's me. Man, I found myself in that place. Anybody raise their hand? I'm not going to call you out or anything. That's just me. That's where I'm at. Anybody? I'm struggling. I'm wrestling. How many of you would say, that's just me? Anybody else? There's several hands around this place. Some of you that are even home today, man, listen, that's me. I just want to be able to pray with you today because I want to remind you, man, God is with you. He's not left you. And even though you may find your place at a, at a difficult spot right now, I want you to know that in that spot, man, create some extra space. Become hungry and thirsty for the things of the Lord because it's there in that place that God will reveal himself. So I want to pray for you in just a minute. There may be some of you here, though, or maybe listening online, and, and listen, you, this stuff about God is with me. You struggle with that because you, you, you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You've never come to know Jesus. You've never trusted him. Let me tell you what it's like. It's like that I come to the place that I recognize that just like I did with Brian Broom, I can't do this stuff on my own. I got to, I can't make it happen. As much as I try, as much as I try to, to lift or to, to, to do all this stuff, it just doesn't work because it's not enough because it doesn't pay the price. Jesus is the one that paid the price for our sins so that we didn't have to bear that burden any longer. Jesus is the source of our answer. He's the answer. 
He is our answer. And 2,000 years ago, he paid a price on a cross when he chose to die for us. Why did he do it? So that we could experience freedom from sin, from the power of sin, from the presence of sin, from the penalty of sin. And today, if you don't know Jesus, it would be a great day for right there where you are just to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Man, I need you. And you can do that right there where you are. And if that's you, man, I would love for you to come and take, either take one of those cards and fill it out and, and place it in, the, in, the, in one of those boxes as you're leaving today just to say, said, I want you to know I made a decision today to trust, trust Christ. I want to talk more to somebody about a relationship with Jesus and what it looks like because I am struggling. I want to know Jesus. Father, I'm very thankful for the privilege we have that, that God, that we live on the other side of the resurrection. We've got the word, we've got the scripture, we have the, the filling of the Holy Spirit and God, we can know for certain without a shadow of a doubt that you're here with us. But God, there are those moments and times when we don't feel that way and there's some that are at that place right now that are struggling. And God, I pray that they would fight against those feelings of isolation and abandonment. Father, they would fight against their minds as it, as it tells them, man, where is God at? Because you're here. We've heard today in the scripture that you're here. And God, in my own personal life, I know that you're here. I've experienced it firsthand. And God, the Bible teaches me that I don't have to be afraid in those times, but I can hold on to the promise that you're here. And God, so I pray today for these that have raised their hand and said, this is me, I'm in this place. Father, would you encourage them today? And for those that are here today that don't know you, even today, would it be the day that they would come to trust you with their life. Thank you, Father, for your word, for the significance it means. May we continue to, to find our rest and peace in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, I want you to watch this video clip, and I'm going to tie it in in just a second when we're done with it. It's just really short. Would you watch it? Financial peace. We all want it. For a while, I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help, and I learned how to handle money His way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University, because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, if you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story, your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. started we have been hosting financial peace series every year 
past several years as we've been hosting it in January and Mark Duchesne and a team of people that have walked through financial peace who have been able to learn it forwards and backwards as well as practice it. We're going to be hosting and teaching that again. We'd love for you to sign up. You can go online. Um, you have the ability to sign up online on our website. If you'll just click on the website, it'll take you to a spot uh, where you see financial peace. You can click on that and it will give you the information needed to sign up. There's a cost that's involved. Um, that cost is there for the resources that you need to be able to take that class. Um, I, and I just want to say, listen, it may not be that you're in a place in a, fi in a financial, uh, you're at a place low in, a in the area of finances. Maybe you just wanted to be better at what God has blessed you with. You want to be a good steward of your resources. It is a great environment for you to be a part of on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. We'll start that beginning January the 10th. And I want to say this as we close out. Um, as you walk out these doors, I want you to be reminded that God is with us. Would you just say that with me? God is with us. God, say that again. God is with us. And, and I want you to understand, I want you to not only be reminded of that, and I want it to be so set down in your spirit that when you're walking through those times of difficulty, not if, but when, it's going to happen. But I also want you to understand that you're the hands and feet of Jesus. And I want you to understand that God has maybe placed you around some people that are walking through these difficult valley times and God will use you, if you will allow him, to walk with them so they, not, they don't become isolated. Don't wait on somebody to come to you. Would you just make yourself available? That's all I'm asking you to do. That as part of the Heritage family, that you would see yourself as a resource of what God is doing. And that you would allow him to use you in such a way, man, that you would be a fresh drink of water in the desert. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But as I send you out today, man, I send you out to be his ambassadors. Man, when you walk out those doors, I want you guys to understand that you're on purpose. You're on mission. That if you're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, man, listen, your job responsibility is not just coming here on Sunday mornings to be a part of what goes on just so that you can gather with the family and be encouraged. But when you walk out those two doors, you're on mission. And I send you guys out to go do your work to see you back next Sunday. Man, have an awesome week this week.